Yo, 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 what's good, everybody? Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. So, um, boy, it's been a week. Welcome back to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Welcome back. Hope you guys are doing fine. I'm doing well. Hope you guys are staying COVID-free, healthy. Uh, I know where I'm at. The weather's starting to break. I think we're starting to get some pre-spring. Um, and we're moving into the last week of February. But as I mentioned, as I told you guys on the previous episode, since uh, football is over, and really football isn't, like, football isn't never over, like, football's never over, but like I said, you're going to see a shift in content because, you know, we're getting, you know, a little, we're going into the second half of the NBA season, so there's there's actually, there's a, a multitude of topics I want to get to and hit on today's episode. Uh, I want to talk about NBA All-Star Weekend. Uh, I did not forget. I'm going to talk about the the biggest trade from the trade deadline, which was the James Harden and Ben Simmons swap. Uh, I got I got a, a couple of LeBron topics, and then as I you know as I told you guys, the NFL draft that's still real important and big. Uh, so I'll be covering that. I'm you know watching some film on some of these quarterbacks, and then NFL offseason. NFL all season, there's a lot of names swirling around, a lot of big time names that could be on the move. Um, Aaron Rodgers, you know, he posted a cryptic uh, Instagram post with him thanking and showing gratitude. Uh, I don't know, I don't know what that means about his future uh, in Green Bay or even his future in football. So, it's a lot to discuss. We got a lot to dive into. It's in terms of NFL off season. Uh, I do, I may have an interesting segment that I want to incorporate. But I'll I see how much time I see how much time we're working with. But regardless, I'm your humble and highly favored host, Isaiah Kidd of the Isaiah Kidd Podcast. And um, let's get into it. Shouts out to all the listeners. Shouts out to the first time listener. If you are a first time listener, congratulations to you. Um, you're gonna get, you know, I think you're gonna you think you're gonna enjoy this podcast, this episode. Uh shouts out to all the regular listeners. You if you are a returning regular listener, shouts out to you. Um, you know, something will be coming good your way. But let me start. Like I said, I want, I have an array of things that I want to get to. And I know the last episode I did, the previous episode that I did, I left you guys with a little bit, a portion, a little bit of my take on the James Harden and Ben Simmons swap. And essentially what I said, I think what I said was in the NBA, you know, front offices and GMs and these teams, franchises, they worry about getting stars, getting stars, because it's a star driven league. And ultimately to win in this league, especially in today's game. Now, you got to have stars like it's just no way of getting around that in any just about in any era of, of the NBA. You need stars. It takes star power. But often, often. Front offices and GMs, in terms of building a team, a collective team, and a championship caliber team, and just trying to get stars after star after star, often we get fed up, we get caught up with the stars, just getting it. But sometimes, and uh, and this, this gets overlooked, but it's about what star you get. It's about what star you get. And this could in this this argument, this 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 uh, statement that I'm making, it can be used. It, it does not just be used for the James Harden in Brooklyn fiasco and drama. It could be used for an array of just situations that we're witnessing right now in the NBA. I mean, we could talk about Zion Williamson and we can get we can get to him. I mean, Zion, three seasons in NBA. He's played a total of 85 games, 85 games, and he has a weight issue. And I think his weight issue is being dragged out. And with Zion and whoever his representatives is, I think it's it, it, I think Zion's making it pretty clear he doesn't want to be in New Orleans. But if I'm New Orleans and I know Zion's a special talent and when he's on the floor, he's productive. But the dude is fat. The dude is fat and out of shape, and if I'm New Orleans, I may just have to move off of him. He's fat, he's out of shape, and he hasn't been available. Three years, 85 games. That, that, that That's a disaster. But regardless, 
let's stick with this particular topic with Simmons and Harden. And with the James Harden trade, they now I'm talking about the first James Harden trade where he was in Houston, he wanted out of Houston, and Philadelphia and Brooklyn were amongst the, the top teams that he listed that he would want to go to. Those were the, you know, it was a couple other teams, but Brooklyn and Philadelphia, or I should say Philadelphia and Brooklyn, those were the teams that he had mentioned. Now, obviously, his first choice. He, he wasn't lying. His first option was Philadelphia. Philadelphia didn't want to pull the trigger on the Simmons-Harden deal at that moment because I guess what I, I told you guys dating back to last year, I think Doc Rivers, his whole mindset was, I want to I want to give Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons another opportunity to go back at it again. That's what they did. Philadelphia, they held their promise, and that's what they did. They went back at it with Ben Simmons and, and Joel Embiid. We already know how that story ended. Uh, a, dis- a disappointing second-round exit as the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. But Harding is shipped to Brooklyn. And including myself, a lot of people think, a lot of media pundits, and my, like I said, including myself, hey, we thought the James Harden thing would work. James Harden's a facilitator. He's a point guard at heart. He's a playmaker at heart. He can play alongside with Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and like offensively, they're unstoppable. And when they did play together, the Nets were pretty good. They were pretty good. I think they were 16. They played 19 games together. I think they were pretty good. They were 16 and 3. When all three of them were on the court, they were practically impossible to beat because you look at the offensive weaponry and the, and just what they can do offensively as a, as a as a unit as a core. It. it you can't really beat that. It's, it's it's so hard. But the dynamics surrounding Brooklyn, James Harden wasn't the right star. James Harden wasn't the right star, and it's about getting the right star. It, it, you, you know, it's we we're so we fantasize over getting stars, but ultimately you gotta get the right star that mix and match that mixes and matches well with your other stars. You know, a lot of people, Ky- James Harden, a lot of his frustration came from, from Kyrie Irving and Kyrie Irving's uh, lack of availability due to him not, you know, obviously taking the vaccine and him not being able to play and, and participate and be a full participant of the Nets. He can only play road games. A lot of a lot of James Harden's frustration came from that. Uh, there was also some rumblings that James Harden, you know, offensively, he wanted a more ball dominant isolation type play, very similar to what we saw in Houston. Whereas Kevin Durant wanted a more free flowing offensive ball movement type of rhythm offensively, similar to what we saw in Golden State. So with Kevin Durant, so. That the, the the offensive philosophy, and then you take into account that you know the Kyrie situation and him not being a full participant, James Harden wasn't the right star. James Harden wasn't the right star. James Harden, I think, you know, I've I've, I've told you guys this dating back to last year. He seems very fixated on this being his time to win a championship, and that's literally that's literally the only thing missing from James Harden's resume. He's won an MVP. He has the scoring titles. He has he's a, he's an assist champion. Like all NBA teams, all, like he has all of what you can have as an individual. But he doesn't. He's missing the championship. He's missing the championship. And I think a part of me, I understand James Harden's frustration. But also, there's another half of me where it's the it's the competitor in me and the professionalism where James Harden. He kind of gives you like, hey, when things when things go cyborg, when things go sideways, when things aren't looking so bright, James Harden just you know, he kind of taps out and he just he he taps out and he checks out and and and, and, and then he, he just quits. And I I use that word like quit. I don't want to say he's a quitter, but boy, when things go sideways, he just he checks out. He checks out. 
He checks out. And uh, I, like I said, the you know, the professional, like I said, he wanted out of Houston. Okay. The way how he handled it and the way how he went about it wasn't the most professional way. But I understand it. You want to get out of Houston. The Houston thing had kind of dried up. You know, pieces, important, vital pieces were moving. So I get it. The Brooklyn thing, you wanted to go to Brooklyn. Now, it wasn't your first choice, but it was one of your top choices. <laughs> you wanted to go to Brooklyn. You're playing with a former teammate, Kevin Durant. And we thought the nucleus that the, of the three with Kyrie, Harden, and Durant, you know, we thought that would work out. And when they played together, it did work. It looked really good. But then things go sideways, you know, Kyrie not being a full participant, which, is, which isn't James Harden's fault. That's more of a Kyrie thing. You know, that's, that's, a different, that's a whole different conversation for another day. But it went sideways with Kyrie not being a full participant. And then I think offensively in the philosophy that Harden won and that Durant won it, clashing, obviously. But then Durant got hurt. So it's like it's Harden by himself. It's Harden by himself with guys. And we know the Nets, <clears throat> when they're missing one or two guys of the three, that is good. That is good. So ultimately, like I said, I think there's more pressure on, on, on Harden to deliver in Philadelphia because of those reasons I gave. I think there's more pressure on Harden to deliver than it is on Ben, than ben Simmons. Uh, obviously, the Ben Simmons, there's, you know, there's going to be some eyeballs and he's going to be ha- he's going to be closely watched um, and his time with Brooklyn. But in terms of the trade, I think both teams, <clears throat> I think both teams got what they wanted. Like, you know, I think this is one of the trades. These are one of the trades that both teams got what they wanted. In terms of Philadelphia and Joel Embiid, Philadelphia gets that perimeter player that they have been clam- that they have been clamoring for for the past couple of years in terms of a, fil- a facilitator, a playmaker, a guy that can get out that can go out and get his own, um, but also who can better Embiid inside and out. With him, you know, with I think I can't wait to see the pick and roll dynamic with Harden and 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 Joel Embiid. And then you look at some of the surrounding pieces that they have of him. I think Tobias Harris, him being back to his third option, I still think his price tag is still a bit hefty um, and a bit more. It's a bit. It's a bit more expensive than what you would like um for a guy like Tobias Harris but Tobias Harris I think he fits a third option he's a good third option now when he's your second option uh, I I don't know that that's where things get a bit dicey but he's back he's gonna he's gonna be your third option I think that bets that best fits Tobias Harris so I like Tyrese Maxey I like Thibel I like some of the elements of the 76ers team um Like I said, they get the perimeter player that can give them 30 on any given night. But with Harden, you're going to get a guy, like I said, you're going to get an all-world offensive player um, and a a great playmaker that Embiid is going to be able to play off of. Um, And that will will give Embiid uh, some rest, some well-needed rest and some time off with the usage Harden's definitely his usage. Embiid's usage is going to go down a little bit. Harden, ball di- you know, ball dominant. So I can't wait to see that. I think it'll work. I think it'll work. And when I say it'll work, I'm not saying, oh, the 76ers, they're going to make the finals. No. I'm saying in terms of, in terms of basketball, I can see it working. You have, look at, you have two top ten. I think when Harden is physically and <clears throat> mentally committed and invested, I think he is still easily a top 10 player in basketball. And right now, Joel Embiid, he's playing, and he is, in my opinion, the MVP frontrunner. So, I, I, you know, I, that's what you have in Philadelphia. And then with Ben Simmons in the swap and, in, in, you know, in Brooklyn, I think Ben Simmons, he gives Brooklyn size, um, some well-needed size and defense, defensive versatility. Ben Simmons brings defensive versatility, and that's something that Brooklyn really lacked. Um, obviously, Brooklyn loses Harden, um, and he, Harden's a great playmaker, uh, but Ben Simmons is also a great playmaker, but you're getting that on top of the defense, and he's adding value with his defense and size. So 
That's that's an added bonus and plus with Ben Simmons. Now, obviously, the shooting dynamic is still you know, that, that's something that's going to have to improve, and that's something that Brooklyn's probably going to have to work around. Which I think they have enough spacing to do so with Durant, Kyrie, uh, Patty Mills, Seth Curry, like Joe Harris coming back. They 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 will have enough spacing and enough shooting on the floor where it's not much of a factor. It's not going to be a huge factor now. Ben Simmons, <clears throat> at some point, he's gonna have to get over this. This, this, he's gonna get this monkey off his back in terms of jump shooting and shooting the basketball. He's gonna have to get over. He's gonna have to get over it. But I think both teams get what they want. Uh, I can't wait to see the defensive, the defensive lineups that Brooklyn can throw out with with a with a with a Ben Simmons or Durant like I can't I can't wait to see how that they utilize that uh I want to see how Bruce Brown's role how his role kind of looks with Ben Simmons getting a lot of I want I want to there's some dynamics that I want to see I think Brooklyn's defensive ceiling gets a bit higher uh they still have LaMarcus Aldridge who's who's a defensive liability but I do think ultimately their defensive ceiling gets higher. And then offensively, with Kyrie coming back into the fold, uh, hopefully full time now, with some of the mandates being uplifted, and it seems it seems as if New York City is going to uplift theirs. I, I'm looking at Brooklyn <clears throat> offensively; they'll still be really good, but defensively, their ceiling rises. And I still think both of these teams are. St- I think both of these teams are championship caliber teams. Um, I think Brooklyn. If it, like when they when they're on they're on, and I still think they they can still win a championship this year. I, I'm not gonna put it past them. They can, they can. I, I can I can see them doing that with their defensive ceiling being risen a little bit with Ben Simmons. Um, <clears throat> speaking of the wrong star, and getting the wrong star, the L.A. Lakers, the L.A. Lakers and Russell Westbrook, <clears throat> and I kind of seen it from a mile away. When it when news first broke that Russell Westbrook was going to join the Lakers, kind of figured it wouldn't work. Um, the Lakers were in dire need of shooting. The Lakers went out and got probably, arguably, the worst volume, high, the worst volume percentage shooter in league history at the point guard position. Russell Westbrook, and so when they when they when they did that, I, I didn't think it would work. Um, I'm going to talk about LeBron's comment that comments that he made over All Star Weekend. Um, but speaking of a team getting the wrong star, the Lakers got the wrong star and the wrong fit with their other two stars, Anthony Davis and LeBron James. And a lot of that we can put, we can, we, we can definitely point the finger at LeBron and and Anthony Davis because this is what they wanted. They wanted Russell Westbrook. They were they 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 wanted Russell Westbrook and the Lakers pulled the trigger, but this is the downside of having LeBron. I'm gonna talk about that after this quick break. But that's the downside. I'm talking about, that's the downside of having LeBron James because you often have to be forced to do certain things and leverage yourself to meet his needs or his wants. I'm gonna talk about that after this quick break. So first, um, Russell Westbrook, right? I, I would t- on the previous segment, I talked about how it's not always about getting stars. It's about getting the the star that makes the most sense, the star that fits better, that that fits most with your constructed roster. And you know, like I said, the Lakers this off season, the Lakers on the Lakers organization, the front office was more leaning towards Buddy Hield. LeBron, Anthony Davis, Clutch Sports was leaning more towards uh, leaning more towards Russell Westbrook. Ultimately, obviously, the Lakers traded for Russell Westbrook, but I, like I said, it it didn't take much. And you, first of all, you guys know if you're a regular listener to my podcast and you know my basketball content and you know where I'm coming from with this Russell Westbrook thing, I'm not even going to kill Russell Westbrook. I'm not even going to talk about. I'm not gonna like just like just blatantly highlight his deficiencies because we all know his deficiencies, and I have I have documented this and talked about this a lot. And essentially, Russell Westbrook, he's an athletic and a dynamic player, but as his athleticism 
has slowly diminished as he is, you know, he's not as, he's not as dynamic as he once was. Um, and it, his skills. And, and when I say his skills, I'm mostly talking about his jump shooting from the perimeter, his jump shooting from the perimeter as his athleticism diminishes, his jump shooting for the, from the perimeter hasn't gotten better. It hasn't gotten better. He's it's, it's he's still inefficient, still inefficient. And in the Lakers went and chose probably the worst, highest volume, low percentage point guard shooter ever. They, they that's what they did when they got West Westbrook. And with Westbrook, like I said, I, I'm not even gonna bang on him. I'm not even gonna bang on him. This is more LeBron, and his comments that he made this past weekend for All-Star Weekend kind of reflected, the, I, th- I think, the frustration and him essentially, I think, waving the white flag on this year's Laker team as far as their championship aspirations. I think that's what he did. Meant, I think that's what he did with some of these comments. It showed frustration. Obviously, LeBron is very, very, very passive aggressive. I think these comments were very passive aggressive, uh, passive aggressive, and showed his passive aggressiveness. Um, so that's that. That's what I'm getting out of all of this. And and the first comment, you know, he 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 made two comments. He made two comments. The first comment was that I'm going to talk about was him leaving the door open to returning to Cleveland. And then on top of that, he said, I want to ultimately be able to play with my son in NBA. That's what he said. So there, that, that, that's that. And then the second comment he made was about Michael Jordan. Well, it wasn't about Michael Jordan, but it was about the GOAT discussion. I'm going to talk about that too. But for, in terms of this situation, it shows the passive aggressiveness of, of LeBron. And I, and, I, and I always tell you guys this. The downside to having LeBron is this. he want, He's always in win-now mode. Always in win-now mode. So with that, he wants players and guys that he's comfortable with. LeBron typically doesn't – he doesn't really mesh with younger players well. Mario Chalmers in Miami, they, the relationship was a bit rocky. Um, you look at what he, how he dismantled the, the Cavs team. You look at how he dismantled the Laker team. He, he typically doesn't want young players or he doesn't mesh well with young players. He wants savvy veterans that fit his style. Um, and when 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 teams, we've we seen it, the Cavs, Miami, and now the Lakers, where they have essentially, for LeBron and his liking and his wants and needs, they have gutted out their young talent and have brung on older veterans that are comfortable that LeBron is comfortable with, who mess in, in in certain cases they may not necessarily bring the value that the Lakers or the Heat or whatever team he's on. They may not bring the value that they gave up for him or for those particular players. But it's for LeBron's liking. It's to fulfill LeBron, and it's for for LeBron. But at some point, when you're in, when when you're uh, when you're a franchise, and when you're in a front office in a predicament like this with LeBron, you you have to push back. And I felt like that's what the Lakers did a couple of weeks, you know, during the trade deadline, because now, as I mentioned, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Clutch Sports. They wanted Russell Westbrook. They were high on Russell Westbrook, and they got him. Now that we're seeing that the Russell Westbrook isn't working, which it it didn't take a rocket scientist to tr- it, like. Come on, we come on. I didn't think the Russell Westbrook thing would pan out either. Like a lot of people didn't think the fit was ideal. The Lakers needed shooting. <laughs> Who do you go add? Oh yeah. The worst val, the worst high value, worst percentage shooter at the point guard position ever. What's what you you like you you went and did that, so it's that that we knew it wasn't gonna work. Now that it's not working, 
a trade was on the table. I'm sure you guys, I'm sure you guys have seen it or heard about it. But basically, the Lakers were offering, or the Lakers wanted to trade Russell Westbrook for John Wall. But the Rockets also, in in addition to wanting Russell Westbrook um, in the trade, they wanted a first round pick. And the Lakers were like, no, nope, we're not going to leverage even. We're not going to leverage more of our future to clean up LeBron's and clutch sports mess. So then that's where you get the quotes. That's where you get the passive-aggressive quotes from LeBron. That's where you get headlines. Uh, I'm sure you guys saw the headline of Clutch Sports is not too fond. Um, or, and, and they're, they're a little bit unhappy with Rob Palenka. So that's where you get that type of damage control where you see LeBron and his passive-aggressiveness. It comes out. And then you see the quote, the you know, you see reports and breaking news. Oh, yeah, Clutch Sports also, by the way, they're not too happy with Rob Palenka. And we know why. LeBron wanted Westbrook out. Uh, and the Lakers, on their behalf, they didn't think John Wall was that much of an upgrade, which they're correct. John Wall's my he's John Wall is not much of an upgrade, but you know why? John Wall is a clutch sport guy. So that's that. That's that. And I think I've I've heard I've heard some interesting uh outtakes on as to why we think LeBron like I heard heard somebody say oh yeah LeBron is used he and I, these quote that quote of him leaving the door open and alluding to other GMs and talking about Bronny and wanting to play with Bronny in the NBA I've heard some interesting takes uh I've heard maybe LeBron is looking for that uh the Kobe type deal where basically Kobe, as he was aging in his, you know, in his last couple of years in L.A., the Lakers gave him a massive two-year extension. I think Kobe's deal was worth $24 million. So at that time, it was a, that was a massive uh, two-year extension. Maybe, the, you know, some people have alluded to the fact that maybe LeBron is, you know, looking for that type of Kobe deal where he get with the Lakers offer him a massive two-year extension and then, you know, on top of that, promise, you know, to draft Bronny. Um, I've heard that, hey, LeBron's leaving the door open because he wants to test the free agency market two years down the line. So however, however it works, however it works, however what LeBron is using this, this is definitely a flex. This is definitely a flex, and it's a passive, it's a pa- it's definitely a passive aggressive flex. But ultimately, I think what what has told what has what what that quote also told me that I don't think a lot of people's talking about, and I don't think a lot of people they're gonna bring it up. But with Anthony Davis hurt again, and you want to talk about uh, you want to talk about decision making, Anthony Davis hurt again and lack of availability, hurt again. He's gonna be out. He's gonna miss weeks, four to six weeks. Uh, that's the that's the estimate. Wesley Westbrook, obviously, in his deficiencies. And it's just this old roster. LeBron is waving. I think he is waving the white flag on this year. I think he's waving the white flag on this on this particular Laker team in terms of their ability to win a championship. They're, I, I think their championship aspirations are slowly dwindling, and I think they're slowly going away. And I think LeBron virtually, I think he is essentially waving the white flag on this year's championship chances with this particular Laker team. And quite honest, LeBron, he's he, we know what he wants. He wants to ultimately pass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's career scoring record. That's what he wants to break. So that's what LeBron is going to be playing for. I'm not saying LeBron doesn't want to win games. No. I still think he wants to win games, but on top of that, that's an added bonus. And I think he's waving the white flag on this year championship hopes with this Laker team. That's ultimately what's happening. Now, I want to get to the second comment that LeBron made, you know, that I think also shows some insecurity, and it's it's concerning the GOAT discussion. 
So as I mentioned, LeBron made a couple of comments um, over the All-Star break or prior to the All-Star break. This one in particular, uh, I think he's doing a sit-down with Kenny Smith. And he basically – LeBron has been on record before uh, proclaiming himself as the greatest basketball player of all time. Um, But he does – he does it again. He really – he reiterates that statement and opinion again – uh, with his latest, like I said, with his latest sit down with Kenny Smith. Um, and I think before I even play the clip, I think these comments kind of come off a bit inconsistent. Incons- you know, he comes off very insecure about his legacy uh, and his standing and the public eye um, and the public perception of public opinion about the GOAT debate between basically him and Michael Jordan. Uh, because that's who we bring up. Uh, Michael Jordan is universally known as the greatest basketball player of all time. You ask a random person on the street, they'll probably tell you Michael Jordan. Obviously, there could be different discussions and debates about others, uh, such as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and so forth. But typically, you ask somebody random who who's not too young but not too old, they'll probably tell you Michael Jordan. Um, who had the so I'm just gonna play the clip, let you guys hear it. Uh, here's the clip and LeBron's comments about his legacy and him being the GOAT and his GOAT argument. The moment I was like, I'm the greatest basketball player people have ever seen in all facets. Like, you know, I can play the one through five, I can guard one through five, you know, uh, uh, just like literally, like did something that's never been done in the history of the sport. I mean, teams that go down 3-1 was zero for like 32 in finals history. There was nobody ever coming out of that. And nobody gave us a chance. I just felt like ain't nobody ain't nobody better than me at this. Now, I, 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 and, and when LeBron speaks, you know, when he when he has these type of moments and these comments, I try to think back to myself. I'm like, it's okay, right? It's okay to talk about your accomplishments and to talk about the things you have achieved and your accolades throughout your life. It's okay. Like, it's okay to brag on yourself a bit. But usually, typically, when you're giving yourself these type of titles, or proclaiming yourself with these type of titles, it's something that you you typically, it's more, I feel like it's more fulfilling when you let others do that for you. You ask Michael Jordan about the GOAT debate or him being looked upon as the greatest basketball player of all time, his often go-to answer, or typically, and this is just me paraphrasing, not this is not a quote for word for word, but he typically says, I let my resume speak for itself. I let people think and say what they want. Uh, if they think that, that's fine. If they don't, that's also fine. But he typically says, I let my resume speak for itself. I did my thing in my heyday, blah, 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 blase, blase, blah. That's typically what he says. He often refers back to, I let my resume speak for myself, and the public opinion is the public opinion. Well, and, and as I mentioned, I, I, like I said, I, I I I like LeBron a lot. I love LeBron a lot. I, I, he's one of my favorite players. But as I, I and I and I, I I just point out what it is, and what it is typically, you don't let you don't speak upon yourself of this, and you just let it come. You let others say that. Like I said, I, I don't find it an issue talking about the things you have accomplished. And it's good. It's great. He's had an all-time great career. And like I said, for some people, he's top 10 all-time. For some people, I know somebody who has them, who has LeBron top 12 all-time. I know some people that think he's the GOAT. I know some people that think he's top five. I know some people that think he's two. I know some people that, you know... Regardless, you let them speak for itself. You let your res- you let your resume speak for itself. 
So when when LeBron has these type of moments and when he sounds like this, I often feel bad for LeBron. I feel for LeBron because he takes it overboard and it, it, it just shows a bit of insecurity about his legacy. And for a guy who has, I mean, his legacy is great. Like his accolades, the stats, the numbers, it's it's a great legacy. It's nothing to be ashamed about. Obviously, he's had some meltdowns, but it's nothing to be ashamed about when you look at the resume that LeBron has put together. But just two years ago, after winning the bubble championship, he demanded respect. He demanded he he, he demanded respect. He said, I want he said, I want my damn respect. So even LeBron is cognizant of the fact and he's aware of the fact that he he's acknowledging that people don't see him as the GOAT. People don't acknowledge him as the GOAT, or at least I'm not going to say everybody, but at least a vast majority of people um, or, or uh, media pundits, right? A, a lot of media outlets and, and a lot of commentators, a lot of podcasts, you hear, you typically still hear Jordan's the GOAT. Jordan's my GOAT. Jordan's the number one. LeBron's two. LeBron's this. So I think he he is in his mind, I think he he still believes that people don't really believe what he's saying because he he has moments where he says where he demands respect and where he's like, I want my damn respect. So he so he's he's no, he knows. He's conscious of the fact that people don't allude to him as the GOAT. He's conscious of that. So he knows. But I don't think the best way to overcome that or resolve that, I don't necessarily think it's proclaiming yourself as the GOAT and continuing to do so because he's done this multiple times. I don't think that is the route you should take to do that. I don't. I don't. I just don't. And you have current players, you know. I think it's all. I think it's really interesting when you ask current, uh, current and active players and former players about who to go and like. It's very. It's always interesting, and it's always interesting to see the young players' discussion because a lot of young players they typically they they even say like somebody they don't say LeBron. Some do. Some do. And I think I think there's a LeBron. I, well, not I think I know for a fact there's a LeBron crowd out there that think he's the goat, which is fine by me. I think at the end of the day, I'm not here to have the goat debate in discussion, right? But at the end of the day, I think it's an opinion thing. It's an opinionated thing. It's a it's it's a it's a, it's a preference. So I know, and I know for a fact there's a crowd that thinks that we're down the hill, that LeBron is the GOAT. And I know there's a crowd that will die on the hill on a very, very tall hill that Michael Jordan is the GOAT. And neither are wrong. I think, from you know, if we're breaking it down, like if we're just looking pure at numbers, Le- like LeBron wins the longevity argument. He wins the longevity argument. Michael probably wins the dominant argument. Michael was dominant individually and more team-wise. So, like, it just, it it, it depends on how you just look at it. And it's just all a preference. It's a preference of what you want. It's a preference of what you like, of what style do you like. Uh, I know some people, you know, Muhammad Ali was very famous for, you know, proclaiming himself as the best and as the GOAT, and as the greatest of all time. But I think the difference between Ali Ali, and LeBron is Ali was calling himself the greatest when there was no evidence. <laughs> so he was doing it jokingly, and that was his showmanship as a boxer. And we all know, for you know, a lot of successful boxers and the most successful boxers have a lot of showmanship with themselves. Um, and they bring humor and it it, it, it it like it just adds to their box office appeal. So you hear Floyd Mayweather talk about himself 
and proclaim himself and you you know and ali like i said ali was very famous for doing it so but like i said with ali his was more of a stitch his was more of a like that was his that was his niche that was his thing that was the thing that he did before he was actually recognized as that so when he was saying it he was saying it like jokingly (laughs) he was saying he was the greatest of all time before he had, he before he even got the belt, um, he was saying that he was the greatest of all time before he beat Sonny Liston. <laughs> you know, there's a difference. LeBron, when he says it, he says it with conviction and seriousness because he's serious about it. Like he seriously thinks that. But I think he he's very insecure about the fact that a lot of people still to this day do not think that. And with me, I I think LeBron has had a great career. I think, but in my book, I in my opinion, I think he's still number two. And I'm very open to the fact of LeBron one day becoming the goat. I'm open to the fact. I think some people. I think that's where the debate gets very toxic. I think the the, the toxicity comes from people not even being open-minded to LeBron, you know, uh, eventually or one day becoming that, you know, I'm open to the fact. I don't think he is. I don't think he is the GOAT, but I'm open to the fact of him one day, you know, trying to surpass Jordan. And so so when people when, – so when you don't call LeBron the GOAT, people call you a hater. Oh, oh you're a hater. Oh, you're a hater. You're just a hater. And I'm not a hater. I'm If anything, I'm actually pro-LeBron. I'm pro LeBron when it comes to things of LeBron, but I just don't think he's the goat. And the athletic, you know, with the being with it being the 75th anniversary of the NBA, the athletic came out with their top 75 players. LeBron was number two. The ES- ESPN, they came out their list. LeBron was number two. You know, and then you hear you just like I said, you hear different media outlets, media pundits, media, you know, uh, really popular voices within sports media and sports culture. Typically you hear LeBron is still number two and Jordan's the goat. He should, I think LeBron should just let others say it for him. He should let others make that debate for him. And like I said, I know for a fact, cause I know, I, I know for a fact I'm in a lot of circles. I know for a fact that LeBron there's there's a LeBron group out there. There's a camp of people, of 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 a lot of people that think LeBron's the goat, and he should just let those people's th- those he should just let those people speak for him. But the fact of him coming out and saying all like I, I just don't like it. Um, I'm not too fond of it. But to myself, I think George's the goat. Like I said, I think a, a, as an individual. And as a peak, I think I think Jordan was more dominant individually. I think his peak was um better than LeBron's. Uh, I think as more of a you know he, Jordan was more dominant team wise. In Jordan, thirteen healthy seasons, he's, he he won six rings. He won six rings. In in Jordan's thirteen healthy seasons, he won six wing, six rings, ten scoring championships, averaged thirty points per game throughout his career. Jordan has two of the three three peaks. In the modern era, um, and, and like I said, LeBron certainly—if if you want to argue the longevity thing, yeah, he wins that for sure. But I think the arg—I think the the longevity argument is kind of counterintuitive to LeBron's goat argument. Some at times because you look at how productive he's been over his past over his eighteen years, but only in eighteen years he only has four championships. Four championships to Michael, like I said, Michael's 13 healthy seasons, six championships. So a little less than half of Michael's career when he was healthy, he won championships. 18 years, only four rings for LeBron. Once once Jordan started winning, he denied a litany of Hall of Famers from winning championships. Once he started winning. And I always, and I always articulate. Jordan had no weaknesses in his game. No weaknesses in his game. LeBron does have a couple weaknesses. Free throw shooting being one of the bigger ones. One of the more vital and bigger ones. You could say I'm nitpicking, but that, that is a weakness. That is a weakness of LeBron. 
but Jordan had no weaknesses. No weaknesses that you can account for that could be used against him. And I think another big thing that that a lot of people don't get that it doesn't get talked about much, but Jordan never had a catastrophic meltdown. A lot of a lot of all time greats have had catastrophic meltdowns. Obviously, LeBron has had a, a catastrophic meltdown. Obviously, the twenty the twenty eleven Mavericks Heat Finals, the twenty eleven Finals, that was LeBron's catastrophic meltdown in the finals. That was LeBron's tragic Johnson moment, and 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 just about just about every all time great has one of those meltdowns. Michael Jordan doesn't, and I'm not saying Michael Jordan never lost. He lost, but he never had a meltdown. Like Magic Johnson in the 1984 finals, I think, 83-84, he was called Tragic Johnson. That's how bad he was. That's how that, that was his meltdown. So all every just about every all-time great has had a meltdown. Michael Jordan didn't have a meltdown. In the biggest moments, he always rose to the top. He always came to play for the occasion. He not not saying that he always won. I mean, in championships round, he did always win. But in the biggest moments, in moments of big of of of, of seriousness, Michael Jordan never wavered and he never had a meltdown. LeBron James has. So when we look, so when we have these type of debates and arguments, that's just my piece. That's just a couple of reasons why I think Jordan's the goat. Um, but. I'm very open to the fact to Le- uh, I'm very open to the fact LeBron one day becoming the GOAT. I'm not saying he will, not saying he won't, but I'm open to the fact I'm open to listening to other future arguments for LeBron being the GOAT. But at this moment, I have him at number 2. And it's okay. It's okay. I I I just feel like LeBron when he has these moments, he comes off very insecure about his legacy and I re- I re- I just repeat he has nothing to be insecure about. In terms of his legacy, there's nothing for LeBron to be insecure about his legacy. For. He, he has no reason to be insecure about his legacy. It speaks for his for itself. So that's that. Uh, you, but you look at LeBron, like I said, Jordan, wins. once he started winning, he denied Hall of Famers championships. LeBron, a lot, a lot of, a lot of the, a lot of the greats of LeBron's generation have won championships under his watch. Steph, Kawhi, Duncan, KD, like uh, Giannis, like there, there, there's been guys. There's been a, a lot of guys that's won championships under LeBron's belt. But once Jordan started winning, he didn't look back. He didn't look back, and he denied a litany of Hall of Famers from winning championships. But I think the two most important parts is that. And then Jordan never had a meltdown moment. Never had a meltdown moment. Never. In terms of big game and Michael Jordan Michael Jordan showing up, you can always count on it. But just about every all-time great has had one of those meltdown moments on a big stage. So that's that. Uh, like I said, I think LeBron comes off a bit insecure, but this next segment, uh, I have, I, I've been looking at some of the salary caps for the NBA, um, for the NFL. I'm going to shift back to the NFL. Uh, we've been talking a lot of basketball today. I know a lot of my uh, NBA, I know a lot of people that look, tune into my NBA content going to be real thrilled about it. But this last segment I have, I think this will be an interesting segment. I want to introduce it. I want to bring it in um, since we're inching closer and closer towards the offseason. Oh, well, it is the offseason NFL, but more so free agency. I want to bring I want to introduce this next segment right after this quick break. OK, before I even introduce this next segment uh, in terms of the NFL offseason, I want to go to NBA All-Star Weekend. First, it was really good to see the NBA put together the list of the 75 greatest players. It was the 75th anniversary of the league. Um, they did it 50. They did it 25 years ago with the 50th uh, anniversary. So that was really good. Um, I really, I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, you know, seeing all the, the old and the new 
uh, the, the, you know, the, the, the added 25 or the, you know, the 75 greatest players, but some of them passed away, obviously, but we get the bridge, the gap between the former players and the active players and the current, you know, it's just really good. And all-star weekend, it was, it was, it was okay. I think the all-star, the all-star game format is pretty, it's pretty put nicely put together um all-star weekend as far as like the saturday event saturday night the dunk contest was probably the worst ever uh and i you know i say that respectfully because those guys are freakishly athletic but just the product of the dunk contest was bad it was bad it was and it was probably the it was definitely the worst i have seen it but regardless when i bring up bridging the gap between the former players and the active players I do think the NBA, unlike a lot of other leagues, do a a really good job at bridging the gap between former players from different eras and current players and active players now. I do think they do a really good job at bridging that gap as a whole. I do. For a fairly young league, the NBA – they do a really good they do a really good job at bridging that gap and so i always like to see that with the nba especially all-star weekend because that's really the one time we truly get to see it and this all-star weekend was special like i said announcing the top 75 75th anniversary it 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 was great it was great it was good it was really good to see uh obviously there's 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 definitely some discrepancies about the 75 the top 75 list. I do think and I will list it a little bit. I do think there were some players that were left off. Uh I think it's like you look at the resume of Dwight Howard, I think he's probably just looking at based off of resumes, Dwight Howard is probably the biggest snub when you look at I don't cuz I don't I think people tend to forget you look at the resume of Dwight Howard, it's it's really good. An eight-time All-Star, a two-time block champion, an eight-time All-NBA, five-time All-Defensive, three-time Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, obviously, he won a championship in 2020, uh, and he's a five-time rebounding champ. So, like, you look at the you look at that resume, and you you know it. Dwight Howard is amongst the names um, or amongst the top of that list that was snubbed. Obviously, Kyrie Irving. I know a lot of people have been talking about Kyrie Irving and him not making the list. Obviously, Kyrie, seven-time All-Star, obviously won a championship, All-Star MVP, uh, Rookie of the Year, three-time All-NBA teams. Um, So definitely, there's definitely some discrepancies there, um, you know, of certain guys not making it. Um, but overall, I think it's they the NBA does a good job with bridging that gap between the new and the old and the current and the former. I got it. I like it a lot. Um, now this next segment that I want to introduce, at least for the NFL offseason, is is concerning cap space. And it's very nerdy. Obviously, I, this shows I have some time on my hand to, you know, look at some cap numbers and look at team salaries and what they can do with their projected cap space. And I want to take a look at the the at the, the Super Bowl champions, the L.A. Rams. The Rams obviously have a lot of money tied into some guys like obviously uh, there are some big questions. They got some they got some they got some big decisions to make. Obviously, with uh, Matt Stafford, uh, obviously, you know, with with Aaron Donald, you know, his retirement and so forth, OBJ, you know, Von Miller. So I want to take a look at um, their cap space. And you can you guys can access this type of information as well. Um, I just I know I, I have some subscriptions to different websites that give me a little bit more insight. Um, and details and detailing um, in terms of the cap space and different team salary caps. It's the subscriptions are not that expensive, but I I just have them for my obviously for what I do on my podcast, so I can give it to you guys and have 
you know, some information um, to speak on in terms of salary caps and cap space. But it's really tedious. So, like I said, the Rams, they got some decisions to make. And the Rams are amongst those teams that, you know, going into the going into this offseason, they're projected to have a negative 10. They're going to be negative 10 in the cap in their in their salary cap. Um, and they have 48 players under contract. So, you know, let's look at what the Rams could do to free up some cap space. And I'm going to basically detail at the important positions where they're paying certain guys. So look like, obviously we know the Rams quarterback with Matthew Stafford receiver, you know, OBJ and Cooper cup, you know, there's some guys that could be on the books for, you know, or that could be up, you know, looking for some type of extensions and so forth. So I'm going to, this is going to be real tedious. Um, and it may be like like I said, it's real nerdish. It's real geek. It's real just it's just nerd work of what I do. But let's take a look at it. I don't and I don't want to spend too much of it because I know, like I said, it's tedious. It's tedious. And if you really don't care about the cap space stuff and the salary, okay. But I know some people like they. I know some people like to hear me talk about the salary cap and the cap space and you know that whole type of thing. So I'm gonna start with. The Rams. I'm gonna see how you guys like it, and I'm gonna start with the quarterback of the Rams, Matthew Stafford. So Matthew Stafford, he has currently one year left uh, on his contract, and it's it's for remaining twenty million, uh, twenty three million dollars. Now the Rams have three options here. They can do nothing and just live with his twenty twenty three million dollar cap hit which he had played throughout the next season, the 2022 season, right? Or they can restructure the $23 million contract uh, into a, a into like a signing bonus, and and they could add some void years. They can add a they can add a few void years that would cap that would cap it out, and that would lower his 2022 salary or figure, I should say to 5.5 million or three they can extend him give him a new contract which would be projected at about four years 160 million and that'd be along the same path of like brady and breeze their last contract brady and breeze final contract it will follow that type of remnants uh, or and they're hoping that he take a, a discount. So the discounted price would be four years, one hundred and twenty million to help out the team. But a projected new contract would be four years, one hundred and sixty million. Like I was saying, Brady and Breeze, with them wanting to compete for championships on the back end of his back end of their career, you saw them take the four year, one hundred and twenty million discount. So those are the three options for the Rams. The Rams could, ideally, they could extend him. They could use that last option and extend him. And I'm sure Stafford would probably take, like, I'm not sure how he would operate about it. Uh, but if I had to guess, I'm guessing that Stafford wouldn't mind taking, like, the hometown discount and helping the team out. And if they want to extend him, which I think they will, they'd do a four-year, $120 million deal. And that'll save the Rams about $17.5 million. Now, let's take a look at Cooper Cup and his situation. Um, Cooper Cup, he currently has two years left of his remaining contract that's worth $29 million dollars now obviously cooper cup he can be in play for an extension and the wide receiver contracts on a yearly basis for his value it looks like 25 million dollars per year now here are some out here's some options for the for the rams for with cooper cup and his situation they can they can do nothing 
and give his contract another year before ripping it up um, and giving him an extension where it's important to note the league, the league salary cap, the, the cap space is, is expected to go up. So the cap is going to go up in the league in 2023. So the Rams could just let Cooper Cup play out one more year of his two-year contract. And then as the league is expected to see the cap go up, they can just give him ex- his extension next offseason. Or they could just restructure his contract to a $14 million base salary, and it would add another void year in the back out in the back in the back end of his contract. It just add another void year, so three years. And then that would ultimately lower his cap total to 7.6. Now, I know for the last for this is the second time I have mentioned void years. Basically, with void years, it is it's look it's more like a short-term answer. It's a short-term answer, a short-term shortcut where you can where teams can add another year of a contract to drop the following year's figure. So that's all a void year is. Um, but it just creates it creates a little chaos on the back end of a player's contract, especially if it's like an expensive contract. And then lastly, as I alluded to, the the Rams can extend Cooper Cup, which would probably be around a four-year. $94 million deal, maybe even 96 because Cooper Cup is coming off a really good year, and that can lock him in for the next three years. And while doing that, they can lower the 2022 cap hit for team purposes. So it wouldn't surprise me if Cooper Cup got an extension this year or the Rams did nothing and let him play out this contract and just give him extension the following offseason once the cap rises. So that's that. Now with Odell Beckham, Odell Beckham, I am expecting, you know, now he tore his ACL in the Super Bowl. And it looks as if, you know, before his injury, he was trending towards the $12 million and $15 million per year contract before the injury. Now, he probably still could get somewhere close to that, but the Rams probably will offer him a two-year deal, a two-year minimum deal, and Odell would just have to play on that. But it wouldn't surprise me if he got close to the figure he was projected to get towards before his injury, which was 12 to 15, maybe 14. That was the projected. It wouldn't surprise me if the Rams gave him a deal close to that. Given the given the production that he brought, um, okay, let's let's take a look at Andrew Whitworth. Andrew Whitworth is another interesting variable. He won a Super Bowl. That was literally what he was missing—a Super Bowl championship on his resume. It seems as if Andrew Whitworth is going to walk away. Uh, if if he can walk away. Before March 18th, the Rams will have the ability to free up $16 million in cap, um, and they can just add him to the retirement slash reserve list to that date, basically. So if he if he retires before March 18th, the Rams can save the, the $16 million left on his one-year contract deal because Whitworth has one year left on his contract, but it seems as if he's going to retire this upcoming offseason, this offseason. And if he does that before March 18th, the Rams can save $60 million. That's that. Now, with Aaron Donald, his thing is a bit – his situation is a bit more – a lot deeper than the other situations. And it would take a lot for me to explain it. I doubt, I doubt Aaron Donald retires. Uh, if you would have asked me, I think he will probably play out at least one more year of his deal. He has three years left on his $52 million contract. 
I would guess that he probably wants an extension this offseason or he'll play out the rest of his deal, at least one more year of the rest of his deal. So that's that. I don't want to go too deep into that. I think a really interesting talk person to talk about is Leonard Floyd. Leonard Floyd, he's entering into year two of his four-year, $64 million extension. Now, he's definitely a guy who could receive one of those. He could, he, he's definitely going to be a guy that could, like, his contract is going to be reconstructed. His contract is going to be reconstructed. Uh, he's he's getting $16 million guaranteed, $16.5 million guaranteed going into 2022. But if the if they can restructure his contract, if the Rams can restructure his contract, it will lower his cap value to 20 million to seven and to nearly seven and a half million. So I think he's definitely a candidate for a re a restructuring of his contract. And as I look at the rest of the list for the Rams, that's really it. Obviously, Ramsey, he's getting paid a fortune. And then, you know, Von Miller. With his reemergence, he could get somewhere near a $10 million deal if someone is that desperate. So that's the segment that I wanted to introduce. I'm not sure if you guys like it. I know it's very tedious. I know it's very detailed. And I did it in somewhat of a tiny manner. I tried. So you guys tell me on you can you guys tell me whether or not you guys like it. But that is how the Rams can free up some of their money in their cap space. Uh I could have obviously this could this could I could spend a whole episode on this really, but they're projected to be negative ten in the cap space, um, and they're with their cap space. That's just some of the moves that they can make right now. Right now with their roster, I'm not talking about any free agency stuff. With the players that they have on the contract, that's just some of the moves they can make. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Gave you guys a lot. Um. I'm hopefully I can get you guys a second episode, but if not, I bid you guys adieu. Thank you guys for tuning in. Always, uh, always remember two choices, one decision. Peace, deuces. I'm out. Hope you guys enjoyed.